Last week, no matter how old you are, if you're a churchgoer, a non-churchgoer, if you're new to church or been to church all your life, if you're single, if you're married, whatever your story is, whatever your place is in life, we all have a story to tell. We all have a story to tell. And the good news is that most parts of our story are really good, right? And that's the stories we love to tell. We're a storytelling nation. If you're ever around people that love to tell stories, they're good people to be around. And we love to tell stories. As like I said last week, as a small nation, we have some great writers and poets and musicians and artists. For the size of our nation, it is phenomenal, the storytellers that we have, whether that's through movie, arts, uh, literature, or whatever it is, it is exceptional that God has gifted us in storytelling. And that's how the Celts told the story of the gospel. They were, uh, you'll find this hard to believe, but they actually were a bit rebellious. They didn't conform to religious um, standards and to religious um, dogma because Rome was telling them to do it one way and they decided to take the gospel in a relational way. And how they told the story of God was through, through art and through, through painting and through pictures and that's why if you've ever seen the book of Kells, it's a phenomenal piece of art. That story of Kells tells the story of the New Testament. Uh, and these people at that time, you see, they couldn't read or couldn't write, but they could tell stories. They could tell stories. And we are the most biblical people on the face of the planet. Because gospel stories, the Old Testament stories, history, the Torah, and right through the, all of the ancient scriptures was told orally. Not everybody had a New King James Bible or a... NIV Bible, or a NLT Bible, or a message, or the passion, or the paraphrase. They just had oral stories, and they would grow up, children would grow up, hearing the sound of Scripture. And my hope is that us as a community of faith, that our community would hear the sound of Scripture through your story that you tell. Wouldn't it be phenomenal? They already are, by the way. You see, you think, uh, we're, we're, we're preaching the gospel on a daily basis here at Vineyard Church Dungannon. It might not look like John 3.16, but the story that you tell on a daily and weekly basis, that's the story of the gospel. Your life is the story. And everything that we do points to the king and the kingdom. Unfortunately, some of us, and I know not me, but some of you have parts of your story you're not so proud to tell. <laughs> uh, for some of us, it's, it's a few pages we'd just rather edit and, and cut and delete, but yeah, I don't know, but some of us, uh, probably it is me, we have entire chapters of our life that we would like to just delete and cut and, and get shot off. And we choose the stories we love to tell, don't we? We're, we're brilliant at that. And stories that we don't want to tell, we sort of doctor them a little bit and brush them up and, and paint them and put sort of uh, nicer surroundings around them so that they're not just so harsh and people just judge us. But the good news is our future story is yet to be written. We're still telling the story. Our lives are still a story. I loved that video this morning because it wasn't a young, trendy uh, hipster or millennium or, or whatever it is nowadays. It's just an old woman who's still telling her story. Huh? It's beautiful. And it's still to be written. And in this series, we're talking about the decisions we make, really. If you're trying to figure out, see, Rhonda's going to come up and she's going to fill you in on what she's doing. But the background to her story, I don't know if she'll talk about it at all. But there were some decisions on the way. There were some things that she had to put in place. There were some things she had to start doing. And like we're going to talk about today, there's some things she actually had to stop doing. Just practically even. So the decision that you take today determines the stories that tell, that we'll tell tomorrow. It's so true, isn't it? See, people say that we can change history. I beg to differ. 
We can't change history because history is already created. It's already there. You can't go back and change history. But we can create the future. That's why the church is different. We're a future. People were always constantly leaning into the good news of the kingdom of heaven, which is future heaven coming to earth. And we, we, we realize that and we also experience that in our present day. So none of us can change history. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't think you can change history. Can you change history? Am I wrong? Can you change history? No. But you can create the future. You can make history. You can create the future. So the overwhelming, overriding question, sorry, maybe it is overwhelming, we're answering in this series is, how do I tell a story? Or how do I live a story that is worth telling? And here's our key verse. Just, if you have a Bible, I encourage you to read it. Uh, there's this really cool thing happening. It's phenomenal. Uh, right across the globe right now, the young millennials, the hipsters, they're using paper Bibles. They, they, they actually think they're brand new. The paper Bibles have just come out, but they've been out for a long time. And so if, you're used, if you want to read a paper Bible, it's a good thing to read. But if you have it on your iPad, not that we're sponsoring Apple, or any other tablet of your choice, or phone of your choice, then you can pick it up there too. So I encourage you, summertime is a great time to read stories of God. Summertime is a great time to spend in the ancient scriptures and also in the presence of Yahweh, the great king. Okay, Hebrews. We said that it's, let us fix our eyes where? Well, let's try it one more time. <laughs> let's fix our eyes on, let's just pretend you're all at Sunday school and the only answer has to be? Jesus. Yes. Did I ever tell you the story about the kid that came back from Sunday school? And the Sunday school teacher brought in uh, a pet hamster. And... Uh, she went home and she said, well, what happened in Sunday school? She says, well, the strange thing is the teacher asked us what this was, but no, let's forget about that. It takes too long. I forgot it. It's way too early in the morning for me. Anyway, the answer was Jesus, but it sure as heck looked like a hamster. <laughs> you get it? Sort of. Jesus. So what is Jesus? He's the Author. He's a story writer. And like I said last week, some of our language is not helpful when we talk here in our present culture, when we talk about inviting Jesus into our lives. It's a good thing. You invite him into your heart. You invite him into your life. But we sometimes interpret that, that we invite Jesus into our life. You know, like, hey, Jesus, come along with us. I'm still screwing my life up and, and everybody else's. But would you come and do things my way? And in actual fact, Jesus comes into our hearts so that we can be invited into his life and into his story. Does that make sense? It's a way better way to do life when Jesus invites us into his story and into his life. So I, I hope that that doesn't um, offend, that you, you get what I'm saying, that Jesus comes into our life, that we invite him into our life, that the spirit of God fills us. But in actual fact, he really wants you to be part of his life, to share in his life, to become part of who he is and allow him to write your story. So today is a bit of a negative with a positive. Today, we're going to decide to stop, right? It's summertime. Let's stop. Let's stop. I'm going to talk about it all morning right up until like 2 p.m. You up for that? No? Okay. You'll be walking out of here, won't you, very shortly? So today we're going to decide to stop. And whatever that stop is, it's going to be different from 
for all of us in the room sitting on a black chair here today. But I want to tell the story, a quick story of the story of Moses. I, 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 I always come to the story of Moses and one time, some of it is like I'm really buoyant with hope and then sometimes I just look at his life and think what could have been and what should have been. He's a wonderful man of faith and, and, he, and yet God loves him. There's, there's no tinge of, of unfaithfulness in his life when we come to the end of a story that he is part of the hall of faith, right? He is part of the hall of faith that you read about in Hebrews. And you can, many of us can relate to this story I'm telling today. I'm sure some of us can, but I'm sure most of us can. Those of you who are single parents and you're overwhelmed with just my hands down to you, I've been on my own since Friday afternoon with a 21-year-old coming and an 18-year-old and it's mustard. It's absolutely, they're lovely kids, but they're mustard. You know, they, they can bring dishes to the, nearly to the dishwasher and set them there. It's powerful, the, the things that they can do. And, but I'm training them next week. If I'm ever on my own again, I'm going to train them to put the stuff on top of the dishwasher, actually into the dishwasher itself. And, uh, okay, I'll stop that. Anyway, those who are single parents, you're overwhelmed. This will be good for you. Those of you are, who have a draining job, anybody got a draining job that feels never unending, that you never get it finished, that Friday you feel like you're just starting all over again and it's Friday, you never get to the end of it, right? You know, you sell those 5, 15, 20 cars, Landovers, and then you think that's great, but you've got to do it all over again, right? right? And John had a brilliant week. He had a fantastic Friday, didn't you, John? He just loved his work on Friday. And he was just telling me that he just, just, just can't get enough of work. Can't get enough of, of, of forms and stuff to fill in and silly questions, right? He just, just absolutely loves that stuff. But all of us, we're, we can be overwhelmed with our job. And so this is a great conversation for you. Those of you who are full-time students and you're actually working jobs as well as studying, this is a good thing for you. In fact, I've got a whole other conversation for you who are teenagers and students, because I want to offend some anger. I just straight after, if you want to hang about straight after this celebration, I've got a whole talk for you on your own. I feel like I'm really being bad this morning, and Michelle's not here for my safety net, and you guys are not making any facial expressions <laughs> to tell me if I am totally off course or on course, so please help me. Help me, Jesus. Thank you to see the smiling faces again. <sighs> Stop talking about teenagers and don't insult anybody. Word to yourself. So Moses, he felt all of those, he felt the strain of life, right? All of those, he's dealing with a lot of people, thousands and thousands of people. And people, when you have people, you've got problems, right? John Wimber, people used to say about John, you know, church is really hard. and You know, people are doing this and people are doing this in the church. Wimber was a guy I'd found at the vineyard. People are doing this in your church. And Wimber would just say constantly he was a Californian laid back guy. Wasn't laid back about his faith, by the way. Wasn't laid back about the kingdom. But in the culture, probably laid back. And he would say, people do people stuff. Um, don't we? People do people stuff. And we all do. We all do that from time to time. And so he's dealing with all these people, and guess what these people are bringing to him? Constantly, they're bringing him problems. He's the guy at the top, and everybody's bringing their problems. Not their solutions, their problems. Not their creative genius, but their criticism. So he's dealing with all that. And then his father-in-law called Jethro, 
he comes along and he said, you're going to have to stop doing all of this. You're going to have to stop this. Here's the advice that Jethro gave him in 18, Exodus 18, verse 17. You can find it on the screen here behind me. I encourage you to read on your, whatever you use to read scripture. Moses' father-in-law replied, what, what you're doing is not good. What? Like helping people? Not good? I mean, well, I thought it was a good thing. Did you not think it would be a good thing if people came with their problems and he's the guy that's been anointed and appointed? He was a prophet, the guy that spoke to the burning tree and the fire, you know, the Presbyterian bush that went on fire. He was the guy that had that conversation. And so is it not like a good thing? Strange. I would have thought it was a good thing. But his father-in-law says, it's not good. What if I told you today that you're doing something that's not good for your future story? That's what he's telling them. What if I was to tell you you're doing something that's not good for your future story? What you're doing this morning that's not good for your future story? I want you to think about that. What are you doing that's not good? I'm going to help you try and figure that out this morning in your own mind, in your own heart. What is it? Maybe you've got a habit. Maybe you've got a mindset. Maybe you've got an addiction. Maybe you've got controlling issues. Maybe you've got insecurity. Maybe you've got a need to be liked. Maybe you've got social media overload. Maybe you've got... I don't know, what is it that you're doing that's not good for your future story? Verse 18, Jethro says, I love this part. You and these people come to you will only wear yourselves out. That's not the part I like. Sorry, we're getting the part I like in a minute. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen, 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 listen to me now. He says this, I will give you some advice. And then he says this, which makes me, if somebody said this to me, it would make me kind of nervous. May God be with you. <laughs> Wouldn't you love that? Here, I'm going to give you some advice, Brian. And may God be with you. You're like, oh, wow, this is going to be fun, right? I'm going to give you some advice. May God be with you. May God, God help you. That's what they would say in Northern Ireland. I'm going to give you some advice. God help you. And then he says, okay, Moses, here's the solution. Choose leaders, okay? Choose capable leaders and train them to handle the disputes for you. And choose them to be over thousands. Choose some to be over hundreds. Choose some to be over fifties and tens. And let's share the world out. Well, delegate the authority. You give them authority to handle the issues. You give them your authority, actually, the scripture says. And you only take care of the really important ones, the really difficult ones. And if you do this, Exodus 18, 22, it says this. He goes on to say, that will make your load lighter, which is a good thing. We should, we should listen to those words today because they will share it with you. If you do this, as God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain of all these people and they will go home satisfied. So it's good news. What seemed like bad news has become good news. Good news is Moses listened to his father-in-law. And he did everything that Moses said. He stopped trying to do everything. He put a stop to some things. And he delegated. He gave his authority away. And that's how we know that the story of Moses ended well. Because he's in the hall of faith. And I, I put it down to this moment, right? I put it down to this moment that he had to actually he had to start some things. But he also had to stop some things in his life to tell the story that we read about today. And so for us, it's the same, same thing. So I want to give you a reason why to stop. And there are many, but I want to give you one right now that'll help you, and then we'll talk about some other things. So why should you stop doing something good? Well, here's the big thing. If you're taking notes, or if you're just internally digesting this here, you don't know, this is my point, number one, you don't know what will cost you if you don't stop something. You don't know. Because we're not changing history we're creating the future and so we don't know what the future is 
It's there, but we know that our decisions determine our future, right? We know that our choices determine our future. We know that our future is good if we're in Christ. And we know that our future is eternal if we're in Christ. So that's good. But we don't know the cost if we don't stop doing some things in our life. You know, we don't have an idea of how much it will actually cost us if we don't stop it. I want you to think about the story of Moses just for a minute, right? Are you up for that? Yeah? Think about it. He, if, if he continued to do what he was doing, if he continued to do it, and it was a good thing that he was doing, he was, he was solving people's problems, right? He was a solutions guy. He was a guy to give out good solutions. He was God anointed, God appointed. So none of this was just like, I want to be a leader. I want to be the, the big star. I want to be the Johnny Big Potatoes. He, he just said, he was just being, in his word, being faithful to what God had called him to do. How many of you would agree with that? Two or three people out of the whole room. We'll, we'll watch everybody else's opinion on the matter. Uh, uh, what would have happened? Can I, can I play about with a scenario? Can I tease it out a bit? Because we want to think about what it might cost you. How much would it cost you if you don't stop? I'm going to conclude that he might have had a nervous breakdown. I'm just concluding that. I'm no, no real grounds for it. But I just think that if he's thousands... So if you're splitting the camp up to thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens, there's a lot of people about, right? And you're taking care of everybody before that situation. Do you think it's possible that he could have had a nervous breakdown? He could have done what many of my pastor friends have done. Not many of them, but some of them have done. People that I know that are more experienced than me and older than me. Some of them just keep on doing it, keep on doing it, keep on doing it. They don't stop things. They start things, continually start things. And then one day they find out that they can't get out of bed in the morning. Seriously, they're depressed. They're they're just burnt out. They've just had enough. They've started more things instead of stopping some things. And, and when you stop, start more things and don't stop things, you're going to end up burnt out, worn out, and tired. That's why Jesus says, come to me. Hey, come. Find out what I have for you. Come. Stop doing some things. Find the rhythm of life. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you'll find the rhythm of grace for your life. It's a dangerous thing when we don't stop some things. Now, what I'm saying is that we don't stop loving people, okay? We don't stop serving. We don't stop praying. We don't stop continuing our relationship and being with Jesus. We don't stop any of that. But there's some things that seem good and some things that are not so good that we need to stop. You know, Moses could have just got angry and bitter, I'm thinking. Because you spend time with people with problems all the time and you're overloaded and you don't stop some things and you keep starting and you keep getting more people and more people and more people. Guess what's going to happen? People are going to ask you for bread and you're going to give them a stone. People, you're going to start seeing people as, as problems and then they become the problem. And then you get burnt out and you get angry and you get disillusioned. And then guess what happens? Where do you take your resentment out on? Or who do you take your resentment? Who got them into it in the first place? The Bible's Sunday school answer is God. Are you following my train of craziness? Yeah, it's a crazy circle, isn't it? When you, we don't stop some things. That you, 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 you get burnt out, you get tired, and people become problems, and people are the problem. And then you say to yourself, God, why did you get me in this in the first place? You know, have you ever done that with God? Is it just me? Huh? Why? I was happy in my own church before I came to the vineyard. And then they asked you to come at 11 o'clock, and then they changed it to 10 o'clock, and then they did. And then they asked you to go out and clean gardens, and one garden becomes six gardens, it becomes seven gardens. And 
I'm only messing with you. You're having fun, right? On the journey. There's no telling what it could have cost him if he didn't stop. That's all I'm saying. And you're saying you could have said that a lot, a lot earlier, Jason. Sun's out, football's coming. Is football coming home? That's the question. Okay, let's not go there. So I want you to think about, just, just for a moment, I know it's summer and it's hot and you're, you, you think that I shouldn't have to think on a Sunday, but you're going to have to think a, a bit this morning. I want you to engage. I want you to play the story forward in your life. Where is it going? Where is your story going? What is it in your life that's stopping your story being told? Or, or we're all going to tell a story anyway. It could be good or bad. But what story do you want to tell? And remember, direction, not intention, determines your destination. Do you hear me? Direction, not intention, determines your destination. I know that for a fact. Here's why I know that. I have no sense of direction. Okay? But I've got a lot of intention. And it doesn't end up well sometimes. I think I'm the only man on the planet to get lost from Tobermore to Macarah and end up heading towards Belfast. I've done that. I've got lost in Dungannon. I can get lost anywhere. See, I can have good intentions, but you know, the direction I'm going is going to determine where I'm going to end up anyway. And so I can have all good intentions as I'm going to be somewhere, but the direction I take is going to determine the destination. And sometimes a 10-minute trip can take forever. But Caleb was just a wee baby. I decided to take him to work one day and to Belfast, and then decided to take a shortcut on the way home to Tobermore, which should take 45 minutes, and they needed fed. Two and a half hours later, we're in Ballymena. <laughs> Not leaving Ballymena, just driving around Ballymena. <laughs> on the day before mobile phones. What is the direction of your story right now? That's a heavy question. And play it forward. You might think it's a little dramatic this morning, but seriously, especially if you're young guys, teenagers, just engage with me for a minute. Um, here I go again, picking on the teenagers and kids. You know, you can, you can all do this. The small decisions that you make in your life are really, really important. Really important. So what is the direction it's going? And what are you ignoring and play it forward. Play it forward. There's so many scenarios that we could play around with this morning, isn't it? Like, what can we talk about? I could keep you here all day. We could talk about your health. You know, if you ignore that, what's the outcome of that in 10, 20 years' time? Or maybe you're unfit to look after grandchildren or see grandchildren. Maybe you're not able to, you might even be able to fit. This sounds very dark to walk your daughter down an aisle. You know, we could play along with, but I'm not here to scaremonger, by the way. But there is, there is outcome. The choices that we make determine the direction of our life, not the intention. We can be full of good intention, but it's actually the direction that we're taking is really important because that determines the destination. And I know that all of us can be full with great intentions, but if we don't have the right direction, then the destination is not going to be good. So like I said last week, you okay? You doing okay? We'll finish up very soon. What does God want you to want? What is it God wants you to want? What does God want you to want in your life? And if you believe in God, chances 
or you can say, yeah, it's probably something maybe different than what, what's happening right now in my life. For many of us, that could be the case. Not all of us. God wants me to be more focused on my family, to grow spiritually, to take care of my body, to be more involved with my children, or get involved more with the world, uh, impacting it. You know, everyone, if you think about it, what does God want you to want? Let me, let me, let me just, I want to finish up around this because I've got so much to talk about today, but we've got the kids in and time's short and the weather's good. I want to talk about a huge blind spot this morning. The huge blind spot. You see, I don't know about you, but the stuff that's not good in my life that I should stop, I'm not being arrogant. I know what it is, right? It's not hard to figure out at all. In fact, you spend any time with Jesus at all, you'll soon figure out there's some things in your life that are not good and you need to stop. You don't, you don't have to like think, you don't have to fast and pray, do you? Eh? Married people, you don't have to fast and pray at all. You just talk to your spouse. They'll tell you what's wrong in your life. It's simple. It's simple. You, if you're single, it's still simple. Okay? It's still simple. You'll, you'll find out. I don't need to fast and pray or read my Bible 24 hours a day to figure out there's some stuff in my life not good. I know intuitively. I know instinctively things I need to stop. But here's the blind spot. The Moses situation. Here is the blind spot for that. Not everything that we need to stop is bad. Uh, here it is from the lips of a pastor in the Vineyard Church. Heretic extraordinaire. There is a website out there, guys. If you can get me on it, I'd be absolutely delighted. It's called the Protestant Revivalist, and all my friends are on it, and I'm the only guy that's not on it. Everybody else that's good out there and doing wonderful things, they're all heretics. And the stuff that I say here week in, week out, I've not managed to get myself on it yet. So if you could, if you could email him today and say, he says this, and then if I could get on that, it would probably do my traveling and preaching career the world of good, because I could be doing me getting away in the autumn time. You don't know what way to take that, do you? No, you don't. Please do not visit the site, by the way. It's not helpful. No, you're all going to figure, you're all going to go on there, aren't you? Stupid pastor. Don't look behind you. Okay. Here's the thing. It isn't about the bad things versus the good things. Is it? It's not about the bad things versus the good things that we stop doing the bad things and then our story is going to be fantastic and we're going to have energy and we're going to just change the world. It's not that at all. We need to figure out that we've got to stop some things. Do you know, you know this, and I don't need to tell you, life in this culture, in the world that we live in, it pulls us in a thousand different directions, doesn't it? Have you found that? Do you feel pulled in a thousand different directions between media and news and, and bombardment and advertisement and, and information? And it's amazing the information you retain, isn't it? Well, it's like you mightn't have the right information for your daily daily stuff, but do you know that? Uh, help me out here. Some superstar husband is moving to Tesco or. Te not Tesco's, Texas this summer because you've read it on Facebook or the media. But you might know your wife's anniversary, but you know, as sure as heck, you can't get that out of your head that their husband is moving to Tesco, Texas <laughs> in July. 
And you just end up in a conversation and it comes out and they say, well, how's life going and what's new with you? You say, not a lot, but did you know that such and such husband is moving to Texas in July? Because we're bombarded with a thousand different ways. And then we've got smartphones and tablets and, and all sorts of things. Information, information, information. You know, we're, 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 we're distracted. Right? What was the saying? We're distracted. And then we've got the web and... And then we've got multitasking. You've got to be, like, you've got to be brilliant at everything nowadays, right? Everybody expects you to be brilliant. And the men are the worst for it. Like, we're, we're just so proud and sometimes arrogant and, and sometimes just downright plain stupid. We think we, we need to be all things to all people, right? We've got to be macho and mechanical like me and DIY-minded and, and a poet and a writer and a smart thinker and a reader and all this sort of stuff. And it's just crazy. It's just crazy, Right? So I came across a story in Mark 1.15, and then we'll, I'm bringing us into land. Everybody said, amen. See, that's only, that's the only time you get an amen in this place if you're visiting with us. It's when the preacher's finished, and it's, it's a problem, but we're, we're going to. Okay, Mark 1.15, this is the story. Let me fast forward, and then we're going to pray, and then we're done. We'll grab a coffee, and we'll grab a chat. And then, you know what I'd love to encourage you to do over the summertime? See, when we're grabbing a coffee at the end and a cup of tea or a drink of juice, we just, just pray for people. Take the opportunity to connect with people and pray for people. Okay, here it is. Landing, landing, landing. Jesus is, uh, Mark 1.15, he comes on and he shakes all of history. It's not an exaggeration. Mark 1.15, he makes a kingdom statement. Did you just yawn? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but she is sitting on the left-hand side. No. It's amazing what you get up to when your wife's away for the weekend. That sounds terrible. Erase that, erase that from your mind. Okay, Mark 1.15, Jesus says the kingdom of God has come. And he makes this, this massive statement all through hundreds and hundreds of years, story after story, grandchildren talking about the Messiah, the kingdom, the Messiah, the kingdom, the Messiah, the kingdom. Jesus comes and says, it's here. All that you've been waiting for. The future is crashing in. And then he goes out day one and he heals the sick and the blind and the lame and he casts out demons. And day two, he goes for a walk and he spends time with the Father. There's a rhythm here. Miracles, signs and wonders, intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy is not some closed up, solitary living. It's actually fuel for the purpose of kingdom living, right? That's why we need to keep praying as a community of faith. So, it says this. We're still in the first chapter of Mark. Read Mark in the summer. It's a great book. I know you want to read novels when you're away and all that stuff. But read Mark. It's a fantastic read. You won't get bored. Here it is. We're only in first... We're like in verse, if I could read the small print here, verse 35, you know, got we numbers in the Bible nowadays, never in Bible, they didn't have that when they were written. So it's just to help us pinpoint it and get there really quickly on our smartphones. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So he had a place to go and he prayed. Are you with me? Simon and his companions went to look for him. When they found him, they exclaimed, you are the hottest thing since sliced bread. You are X factor. You are everything that everybody has ever wanted and needed. They said to him, everyone is looking for you. Can you imagine it? That you've come to rescue the world 
and everybody is looking for you. It seems right. It seems logical. But listen to Jesus' response. Listen to this. Like, which sometimes it would make me nervous if he's, if he's in the church, right? Sometimes he would make me nervous if he had the pulpit. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. No, 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 Jesus, you didn't hear me. Like, we had a fantastic day yesterday. Great, Marion, you want to see this? Miracles. You know, you got near people and demons were coming out of them. Their lives were being transformed and people were getting prayed for. I, see, I saw a man that couldn't walk for years walk. A blind man sees. And Jesus, I don't think you understand here that we had a great day. And it's just like, you just announced it in Mark 1. Well, they didn't have Mark 1, 15. They didn't even have Mark. He says, Jesus, you just said the kingdom of God's coming. You're absolutely right. It's happening. And and you know what Jesus is saying here? No. He's saying no to them. Did you read that? It's Jesus' way of saying no. He's saying no. He says, let's go somewhere else. Why? To nearby villages. Why? So I can preach there also. This is what I've come to do. Here's the one thing you'll know about Jesus. And here's the one thing you'll come to love about Jesus. Jesus knew who he was, where he came from, and what he was about, where he was going. He knew what he was about, where he was going. And so when you find out what you're for... When you find out what your yes is, it gives you great release to say no to other stuff. To say stop to other things in your life. Do you get that? When you find out your yes, you get to say your no. When you find out your yes, you get to say your no. And it's important to find your no. Because if it's things that's harming your life, if it's things that's destructful in your life, your story is going to end up bad. But if it's things that you need to stop doing also that are, may seem good and right and holy even, that are stopping you doing from what God has called you to do, the Father has called you to do, and I'm talking the things that are besides the being with Jesus, like the praying and the reading and the fellowship and the serving, those are all things that were being with Jesus. Christian, those are Christian. But I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about all the stuff that we get involved in, all the things we keep saying yes to, yes to, yes to. Think of it. Think of it. And it happens on two levels. Did I say I was finishing? I am finishing. It just doesn't happen externally. I think the more important issues that most of us face in our culture is internal, internally. The internal stuff that's going on in our heads and our minds and actually affects our bodies and how we live our lives. What's some of the internal things that you need to say no to? Some of the attitudes, some of the, some of the pressures of life, some of the anxieties, all that stuff. Some of us need to let go of some things and some of us need to stop doing some things. What do you need to stop to tell the story that God wants you to tell? I will finish, finish, finish with this. Let's go back to our text this morning. Hebrews 12 and 2. Is there coffee on? Anybody fancy a coffee? Okay. I'll make that happen for you. And then if you see me out in the town, you buy me one back. <laughs> Deal? Thank you. We're going to start a bit above where we started. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Guys, that should just pump you up right there. Do you know who the, the witnesses are? Do you know some of them? Dennis Scott. He's one of them. It's my dad. It's your parents. There's people that have gone before us. Now they're the witnesses. Wow. Is that not sort of... Woo. 
encourages me. What shall we do? What shall we do? Let's, let's say it aloud before we get the coffee. Let us throw off everything that... Oh, easy, easy. Oh, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Sorry, my, my, my mistake, my mistake. I just wanted you to say everything that hinders. <laughs> but you're too smart for me, you people. You can read the whole shebang. That word hinders, does that sound like sin? The sin part comes next, right? There's sins in your life. I'm, I, by the way, I'm saying, if you're sinning, let me just, from, from the pulpit, say, stop it. Just stop it, okay? That's, that's my counseling skills right there. Just stop it, okay? Anybody want 10 minutes with me? I'm really, really, I'm expensive, but I don't, you know, not spend a lot of time with me. It's like, stop it. Two minutes. That's why Michelle does all the counseling stuff. No, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm okay, actually. I'm, if you have stuff you want to talk about, you can't talk to me. So the hinders... There's stuff that hinders us. And then there's the sin that easily entangles us. So there's two things going on, right? There's the blind spot that sometimes we think they're good things, but they're not good things. They're things that hinder us. And then there's the just out there, the, just the obvious thing that's sin. If there's something entangling my story and my relationship with God and my future, I'm going to have to stop doing it. I'm going to have to stop doing it. And then this is where we come to. And then what do we do? How do we do it? Here's the antidote. You fix your eyes on. One more time. Let's try really hard. And we're, we're going for it. We're going for the coffee. We're going for the coffee. Let us fix our eyes on. Because he's the author of our story, right? Let's stand. Eleven fifteen. Some of you are just coming in at this stage. Now I get name yous. <laughs> Can I just say, if I've said anything bad today, that feel free to talk among yourselves and email and text each other, but please don't talk to Michelle, okay? <laughs> I could do without that. I'm going to have some downtime this next week. No, no, seriously. Let's just, let's just, just for a moment, just, just close your eyes, posture yourselves. And um, it's a pretty big subject this morning, by the way. Uh, it's a pretty hard one. Uh, I'm going to pick on the guys again because the stopping thing is going to be hard for some of you. Because there's a million things to do it and only so much time to do it. And guess what? Here's a word for you this morning. And this is serious. The Lord has not called you to a million things. He hasn't. Lord hasn't. And we're going to renovate this room if we're going to have a turnover in season as we're going into a new summer season. It's a great time to just look at the room, see what needs to come into the room, and see what you need to take out of the room. Great time of year to do it. What do you need to take out of the room? What do you need to stop? What is it? So just, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to reveal and to just Get your thinking on the things that he wants you to think about. To get your heart on the things that he wants you to do. And give you the courage to say no to that which is hindering the story that you so 
so need to tell. Jesus, come. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for your presence, for your wonderful presence that's here today, God. And God, would you come right now and would you just enlighten our minds and our hearts and our souls internally, God, would you just show us right now what we need to stop so that our story is better. Our story is worth telling. And so maybe the Holy Spirit needs, maybe you do need to see, do some business with Jesus. Guys, this is, he's faithful and just to forgive also. He's, he's quickly do it. Let's, let's just, just repent around the room. Let's repent around the room. Whatever it is, we all have stuff. We know it. You don't need a word of knowledge. You don't need a prophetic voice. You know the stuff you need to stop right now. Just, just tell the father you're sorry. It's not who you are. It's not who you made you to be. Could we do that? So just say I'm sorry. He's a good father. and It's not that we're bad people. It's just that we forget who we are. We're children of God. We're the fathers of children. And when we forget who we are, we just do stupid stuff. We do stupid stuff that he doesn't like. And he doesn't like it because it's not good for us. It's not good for our future. It's not good for our present. Just think of that thing. And then just say sorry. And then ask him, God, what is it? What's my, where's my blind spot? What is it I should stop? It seems good and seems right and seems heroic and... And even, it even makes me look good sometimes, Father. What is that thing that I need to stop to tell the story that you're writing? Well, you're the author. So Holy Spirit, breathe on us right now. Come in your presence and come in your power. Come in your presence and come in your power. Hmm.